hello friends and welcome to our dinner table. My name is Aislinn Campbell and of course always with me at the dinner table, Joe Hilliard. Hi Joe Hi. Hilliard. Hello my darling, you were at the farm this morning. There's a lot of product coming out of the farm. I'm, <laughs> I, when I said I was bringing bucket loads, I'm bringing multiple, lots of bucket loads. <laughs> I posted a picture last night of one of your daily bounties. Mm-hmm. And we made a soup last night that we'll maybe talk about in the future. And I said, oh, okay, I'm at the produce aisle. I'll take some of those onions. I'll take some of those squash. I'll take some of those peppers. And oh, man, what a way to live. Mm-hmm. I really do appreciate your hard work. And I don't want you to think that I don't know it's hard work. And especially how hot it is outside right now. Yeah, it's definitely shifted. It was in the 90s yesterday. But one of the things that we have that's a benefit down here is we have the wind off the water. While there's a level of humidity that would knock out anybody that's from the dry parts of this world, because <laughs> we are not, you walk through and you feel like you're walking through a fog, but we have the wind. And when the wind lays, that's when we get hot, man. Flat, humid, oof. I remember coming home Christmas after my first semester at college, mm-hmm. away from all this humidity. And I remember coming home and going, oh, oh my God. Has it always been this bad? And of course, it it's always been that way. But when you get away from it for a while and you come back into it, you know. Yeah, outside of the hair part of that conversation, I completely <laughs> disagree. Thanks a lot. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I wasn't talking about your hair, believe it or not. I'm not always talking about you. Mostly I'm talking about me most of the time. Believe it, I do. Yeah, I remember like in college days when I'd go to like events in Dallas or Waco and my hair was always so straight. Mm -hmm. That was very nice. Right. But I also can't handle that dry air for very long because I'm telling you, man, my nose starts bleeding. My lips are cracking. I can't talk because my mouth is so dry. My body is accustomed to being moist (laughs) all the time. Like sweaty, um, lovely moisture all the time. (laughs) At the farm to table dinner, you stopped the chef and asked him about his knife skills. And I'm curious to know, have you taken any of his suggestions on knifing? I've watched YouTube videos about how to cut an onion. You know, they do it real fast. And what the chef's advice was, Practice, practice, practice. So I have I have approached cutting up an onion much differently. But for now, it's just making sure that my fingers are curled, my knife is up against my knuckles using that, that my thumb is out of the way. And once you know that nothing can be cut on your hand, you can up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And you got to practice to get faster, just, just like anything else. Right. You're talking about kitchen ascension. I brought it up last week. The idea that the listeners and us can take some time to really make our kitchen a better place to work. The cast iron skillet. If you're not using cast iron, that's what I'd love to talk about for a minute. Oh, he likes to make love to his cast iron. If I could, I would. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) You can buy one new at any box store or online. It's going to come pre-seasoned 95% of the time. And the cast iron skillet is all about seasoning. Have you ever had a friend say, no, how does he use cast iron? It's stick. Things stick to it. It's it's cumbersome. They're very heavy. I would just as soon use my T-Fall Teflon covered pot. I don't know. I don't talk to people about cast iron that don't know cast iron. Like 
there's no point. <laughs> this is no different than that meme we were talking about earlier today about the, the Jim Carrey meme that was like, I don't try to explain myself to people anymore because they're not going to understand me. It, that's how I feel about cast iron. If you don't use cast iron and you give me a backlash as to why you don't use cast iron, I'm like, you don't understand cast iron. So there's no point in us ha- continuing this conversation. Yeah, well, well said. <laughs> so if you don't understand cast iron, the best thing you can do is hit a garage sale this weekend and find yourself a $100 cast iron pot for $5 somewhere then you're gonna have to go home and google how to get it ready to cook with but let's say you go you bought me one of my favorite things a wok recently prior to that you had bought me that flat cast iron griddle top that mm-hmm. is reversible for lines or just flat what's the name of that brand that lodge I... lodge yeah lodge, lodge is the industry it's leader the basic if you go yeah. to a walmart or a target anywhere i know you didn't go any there, i went to a fancy store and it was still, still i bought the lodge, lodge. Yeah. They come pre-seasoned. And I think that's what gets people messed up because, oh, all that seasoning that I've heard about for my cast iron, it's pre-done for me. No, 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 no. That's going to get you through one or two uses. Right. And seasoning is putting layers and layers and layers of oil onto and into it because the makeup of iron, if we put it under a microscope, has lots of fissures and cracks and places where liquid could go. That's why they rust so quickly. What you're going to do is put a fine layer of baked on, caked on oil all throughout it. And you're going to Google all of this. I couldn't go into it right now. The number one thing I would suggest people do is to find a cast iron friend. That first seasoning happens in your oven. Those sound like a really boring friend. Oh. Well. My cast iron friends. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, actually, yeah, they're, they're, they're well seasoned. Than broccoli friends? Yes, yes. My cast iron friends are very, very well seasoned. <laughs> these are these are friends that I only talked no, about. Broccoli cast friends iron. seem a little more farty. Like yeah. they they they're they're vivacious and 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 explosive. And then those egg people. <laughs> well, no, you need a chicken friend. If you're a first time, no, I didn't say a chicken friend. Now, chicken friends are completely different than egg people. I don't know egg people. What are egg people? I don't know, but they are very sensitive. I'm just going to let that go. I don't know what you're talking. <laughs> I don't get your joke. There's people out there laughing right now. I they love you. me. Uh, start with a 10 inch, 11 inch basic skillet. Go buy one and then do some research on seasoning and then get that thing seasoned and it becomes a nonstick wonder. Every time you use your cast iron, you're not going to use soap on it. That's a big rule. You basically take your scrub brush and get all of the food out of it. Put it back on the stovetop, turn it back on. You want to try to get every bit of water out of it. Yeah. You see me doing this you ritual every single night. You cook the water out night. of it and you cook the then I, mold, anything that's growing on it that you don't want to continue growing then on I it. You cook it all out. Pour a little oil into that hot, hot cast iron. Mm-hmm. Take a paper towel, rub it real good, turn it off. And one of my favorite things to do is come into the kitchen in the morning when I've gone through all of that and I see my beautiful pieces of cast iron sitting on the stove ready for the next meal. Well, I'm just simply going to tell you, because I have to, the wellness side of all of these things. And that is that every single piece of matter is made up with particles. And the particles aren't actually like jammed in close to each other. They're kind of floating around in space. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're jammed in close to each other because it's hard. My... The cast iron is hard, but it's not. It's actually got space in between the spaces, Mm -hmm. right? And so if that's the case, then anything we cook our food in can slough off particles into the food you eat. I read a thing today. They actually did research Mm -hmm. on folks that were iron deficient and what they cooked with. 
And people that use cast iron have an 18% higher levels of iron in their blood. Right. Not a not a inappropriate level. off into our food rather than other types of chemistry that oh, we don't yeah. necessarily want sloughing off into our food. Rem- but think about that with everything you... Not to scare the shit out of everybody and no. not to put any voodoo, juju, whatever on you. But think about every single thing you drink out of, eat out of, burn in your house, spray in your house, wash yourself with... Every single particle that it is made up of is sloughing off into the nature around you mm-hmm. and accumulating in your body, in the earth, everywhere else. It's just particles floating around everywhere. Now I've scared the shit out of everyone. <laughs> I remember we had a thing. We had, we had a conversation where I wanted to put on my Christmas list that our family that does a Christmas gift exchange could see an omelet pan. I know that we have decided not to have Teflon, T-Fall in our home, but I do want that in an omelet pan. There's nothing worse than an omelet that gets stuck in the pan and ruined. And I had to have a hard talk with myself and say, I just have to season the pan that I am using, which is stainless steel, and work with it and learn it. And I really am happy that I did. Cast iron is going to be part of your kitchen ascension, and I really hope that you'll take my advice. If you're going to spend hours of your life growing vegetables in a place where lots of bugs are going to eat you and the vegetables because you're not using chemicals on the vegetables to grow them, then you should also use the best tools in your kitchen that are going to be the most healthy options for you as well. Don't, Don't ignore that stuff. Well, we eat the way we do and you grow the food you do in part, large part, for us to be healthier humans. Right. To make better choices. So that our body can act the way our body's supposed to act. Correct. Because it's not running into all kinds of extra particles of things that it doesn't really know as a human body. And yes, of course, it can learn those particles because human bodies are very, 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 very smart. They're the most smart thing that ever existed up to this current date on the planet. So if that's the case, the body's going to figure it out eventually. And some of the cancers and some of the autoimmune disorders and some of the things that we are dealing with may be our body trying to evolve through the things that we've created for it to evolve through. The things through. that we put inside of ourselves. But we may not like there. the direction that our bodies are going. And I like my body to be young and fit and vibrant. And so therefore, the less amount of things that make me sneeze and make me have a headache and make me have a tummy ache and make me have all the things that make me not feel young and healthy and vibrant and make me want to slop around my house and not do my work that I want to do makes me feel better. That's where I want to go. And I'm not saying that that's your choice. I'm saying that's my choice. So take that health mindedness into the kitchen and then through the cooking and onto the dinner table. Exactly. Is the word in the dictionary? <laughs> I thought that I had an old-fashioned dictionary in the at my office, and I don't. So I had to put the call out to a couple of friends. Does anybody have a dictionary at their house? And uh, a friend of mine took a picture from Webster's Ninth New Collegiate Dictionary. It was published in 1983. <laughs> Noun, 1680. I'll get back to that. An act of copulation, usually considered obscene. So are they saying that sex is obscene? No, the word. In other words, copulation is not obscene. The F word is obscene. Usually so if you, considered obscene. if you do sex in the f*** way, it's an is obscene sex. No, the word is obscene. It's the same conversation we were having last week. The word is obscene. 
considered obscene. Oh, I think I need to know what the definition of obscene is. This is never going to end. (laughs) The word has been in use since 1680 and originates in Dutch. It is in the top 1% of words looked up at Webster'sDictionary.com. That's all those children looking at bad words in the third grade at this point because they have screens in front of their faces at age two. (laughs) Then I started thinking... There were 203 new words put into the dictionary for the 2019 year, and I just thought I'd tell you some of them. Cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Easy breezy. How is easy breezy a word? It's an adjective, especially of clothing, style, etc. Informal, casual, relaxed, carefree. See, I don't see easy breezy as a word. Jedi. Yes. Nomophobia. N-O-M-O. Anxiety about not having access to a mobile phone or mobile phone service. Huh. That's a real thing in 2020. It's a new, yeah. a new thing, yeah. And then finally, whatevs. What's funny about that is that whatevs is such an old word. <laughs> that How did it just now get in the dictionary? Like It's so old that the kids don't even say whatevs anymore. <laughs> time to take it out. <laughs> it's time to put it in the dictionary because the kids aren't actually using it anymore. That's another thing about our kids and phones and how fast that they are moving. I mean, you can't even keep up with the word that they're using this week to describe something cool. Which, by the way, cool will never go out of style. How about sus? That's a, one of the new ones. <laughs> I like to use the old ones and make them cringe. <laughs> Cringy, a new one. No, it's not new anymore. Sorry, that one's old. Sus is probably old, too. This is episode 2.41. We like to go back a year ago today, episode 1.41. We talked about our battling egos. We talked about our battling egos in a conversation in our house today. Yeah, I think we did. And we talked about how raising teenage girls is a lot different than raising teenage boys. In fact, go back and listen to 1.41. I said this last week. These are standalone episodes that really, they're, they're, they're never green. You could listen to them anytime. There's not a lot of cultural... They're nevergreen? Mm-hmm. What's nevergreen? Nevergreen means that it can be u- used or listened to at any one point without needing to have context of within which to listen or view it. Isn't that evergreen? You're probably right. What's the word? I don't even know what the word nevergreen means. I've never heard that word before. I'm going to give that a double dog. Nevergreen? But the food, the food. Hey, so remember this one when your dad said, hey, I got a hog leg for you? Yes. So we took home the leg of a hog that had been recently been harvested by your brother. We made tacos and ate those three times using from your bounty bell peppers and the last backyard onion. Well, that's not a problem anymore. And you said, I'll plant a lot more onions next year. And now we're back to the present this year. And damn it, there's not a piece of flooring in our home <laughs> that doesn't have a tapestry or a towel with onions all over it. I want to know what you're going to do with all of the onions because you did follow through with what you said a year ago. Well, at some point when I'm not constantly harvesting, I'm going to knock all the dirt off of them. And then I'm going to throw them all into an airy basket. And then what will have to happen from time to time is we'll have to like dump the basket out and kind of dig around in it and make sure there's none that are rotting in it and then put all the onions back in the basket because one of them will have one little weird spot and it'll start rotting. Will that spread the rest of the onions exactly. if you're not watching? Once you have mm. overripeness and rotting and mold in a spot, it, it transfers to the other vegetables and then So we'll start. just be in onions for a while because you can yep. store them. Exactly. Because as I said last week, I use an onion every day. That that was my purpose in planting so many onions. I noticed 
Kim, my friend that's a local stylist, owns a company called Metropolis Culture. You should totally check her out. She had come for dinner a few episodes back, and you actually made her and I dinner, and then we never talked about that dinner, but she posted a photo of it just the other day. She posted a photo of the dinner. She did. I got to find that and steal it. Exactly. And I was like, oh, we should talk about that because it was really, really phenomenal food. You asked me what I thought we should make that evening. Huh. Let me think about this. I've got tons of cabbage still right now. All these beautiful peppers. How about fish tacos? Yeah, blackened fish tacos with avocado lime sauce. And with all these vegetables in the house, I had to have some sides. So I took some of your corn and made a street corn. That's when you prepare the corn, then cut it off the cob and mix it in with mayo, sour cream, lime juice, chili powder, other peppers, some queso fresco, which of course we get from our friends at Cannoli Farm right now. Well, Kim was very, very impressed. Why? I'm not even done because I also made that pot of green beans. It wasn't green beans. It was was yard-long beans. I'm not done. I made that pot of yard-long beans. We have a lot of those. A lot of... (laughs) They're growing like crazy. You do. You can use them as a whip and hit somebody with them. They're so long. I think the creative way that we cook... I appreciate that about this podcast. And I think that the more people that have an opportunity to share the podcast with their friends, that we help people think of ways to use fresh produce that you might not normally think of. And interestingly enough, I had a friend, she sent me a text and she said, we grew a ton of red cabbage. Now, what do I do with all this? And I said, oh, have you guys made fish tacos with Baja sauce? And I thought of that immediately because number one, red cabbage is just really good in fish tacos. But number two, he's a fisherman. So I know that not only is he growing garden vegetables, he's also got a freezer full of fish. Yeah. So... It was interesting to me to suggest something to a fisherman's wife that should be at the top of her mind. Right. Yeah. But because, and I don't, I don't say that to judge. I say that no. in a way that's like, I think that that's what is interesting about so us and the podcast. Up. It's what we talked about last week with the farm to table where it's like, we're turning food into something more dynamic, more interesting. And then she was like, well, what, I don't know what that is, is Baja. What's Baja sauce? And I said, Well, hold on. You can Google it. I said, but basically know that you're going to have mayonnaise in it, some kind of citrus in it, and some kind of like, I said Camino because we like Camino, but it's actually chili powder. Mm -hmm. That's not what you ended up doing. You did a little bit of a different, um, you did the avocado. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, but it's it's an aioli. Yeah, that's just to try something new. Right. Exactly. I thought you had done some kind of a honey glaze or something. That's what you told us that night. With what? Yard long beans. You're right. I made a honey sriracha soy glaze and just cooked them in the cast iron until they were tender enough to eat the way that we use yard long beans is generally in a stir fry situation that is true and but we, i think and we, I'm get, also and we get into learning... a rut in those stir fries don't we it's yes. no more stir fry and wait three months please make stir fry right exactly what i've learned about the yard long beans is they actually remind me of a uh, black eyed peas a little bit more mm. and you actually cook a pot of beans like that instead of like green beans where you cook the whole bean. I had an internal conversation because Kim Because I told you you had to you had to look up yard long beans. You Kim, couldn't just cook them. You had to look it up. She works at our favorite restaurant in town. She's trying and eating consistently some of the best food in town. Mm-hmm. So when she's your guest, I'm rolling up my sleeves that night. It's going to be more than just basic. 
You blanched them I and did. then you stir fried them. I blanched them because it was suggested that the tougher exterior of the of the right. yard long bean could use that. Yeah. So okay, add ten minutes to your time and make them a little bit better, and it made them a lot better, I think, because then they go into the cast iron with the glaze, where you're just slowly cooking them a little soft and already. If you grow yard long beans, begin, in my opinion, begin thinking of them more of like a pea that you would shell. It was a really delicious dinner. She was excited. She took a lot of pictures. She kept complimenting you on it. I was excited to see you when she posted a photo. Like She's like, I went and had this delicious dinner that Joe Hilliard made. And it makes me feel good. And she just reminded me what, you know, and this is why you keep him. A friend of mine is participating in our local art center. They have a drawing group that gets together and draw portraits of a model that someone has arranged to bring in. She had said she was looking for models, and I thought, gosh, that would be really fun. And it's the time of year where, yes, produce-wise, I need to be harvesting every day, but it's so hot that I've got to do it at a certain time of the day anyways. And so outside of the fact that, yeah, I took the day off yesterday because I haven't taken a day off in days and days and days and days, but it works out in my favor this time of year that I can go out really early because the sun comes up so early and get my work done in the morning and then get home and spend the whole rest of the day working on other things. So to be inside at a model portrait drawing was actually fantastic. I wasn't there, so I can only imagine you're sitting up on a stage, maybe a riser, mm -hmm. yep. and there's people in a circle around you, and they're Pretty drawing much. you while you, what, have to remain still? Are you yep. allowed to move or take a sip of water or anything? Well, technically, the way it is, is that they set the timer for 20 minutes, and you sit still for 20 minutes. Then you have a break. Everybody has a break. And then you go back to it, and what they're trying to do is get two full hours of drawing I'm with time. You. Okay. So it was in a 20 minute intervals with breaks. Exactly. Gotcha. But if you think about that, it was like 20 minute intervals of me sitting completely still. There was music because they asked me if I wanted to listen to music. And I was like, yeah. And I, I gave them a band that I was interested in. And Beastie Boys? It was actually the Abbott Brothers. Sure, sure. It was funny because it was a very, like, I went into that situation feeling really excited about the opportunity of creative minds all being in the same space together focused on me yeah. in that. <laughs> That's a bonus. Well, I mean, I know that you laugh because you see it as me thinking that it's all about my ego, but it's really not. It's really about me knowing that together in this room, we are creating something magical. We're creating a vibe. Yeah. We're creating energy. Right. And it sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that came to a lot of the discussion points because they're sharing tips with one another. Like, well, I try this and do this. And I'm extremely bright. I'm very dimensional as a person. I carry a big bright light with me everywhere These I go. These are the different artists' comments that you're hearing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was the conversation. That's and first thing right away was that one of the artists had gone in and gotten some cloth out, like a green piece of cloth with lines on it that I was like, oh, that's going to turn gold and red and green with me sitting on it. And then he also lifted up another piece of material that was like a gold piece of material. And I was like, wow, that's going to set me on fire. You know that, right? And he's like, yeah. And one of the artists specifically was like, I do pen art. And you could see her mind whirring around trying to figure out how to take her art to the next level using me. She took her art over and showed it to this guy and to the other one. 
it was very flat. And she said, I feel like I'm in a box. And so when I, when someone walks into a room of artists that are mostly using pen art, just ink, black ink, it pushes them when they see somebody that's very colorful and bright to have to think about how do I make my art dimensional? How do I create dimension? And I could hear them having conversations about dimensionality. I heard him say to her, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you necessarily. Right. Like I'm, I'm not a teacher. I didn't get the feeling he was a teacher. Right. He was just an artist and he did what he did. And right. he was like, I don't really know. But he said, but what's coming to me is layers. And immediately when he said the word layers, that was a huge part of the conversation. Because when I walked into the room, they wanted to give me dimension because I'm extremely dimensional. How do we, without pulling her colors out, how do I make her bright and colorful using black ink? And I thought that was really fascinating. Some of them did colors. There was a guy that did pastels. Is and that, the, that this one here that you brought home? They gave me the art. Not everybody, but several of them. Uh -huh. And a couple of them let me just take photographs of what they had done. Because I go into a room to sit in a chair quietly, basically contemplative, quiet, silent, still, I mean, if anything, I was nervous about being comfortable the entire time so I could sit still mm -hmm. all that time. And mm -hmm. by the time yeah. that you get to the end of this deal, you're going to be tired. Sitting still, right. doing nothing you're is not doing so right. tiring. Mm -hmm. It's like traveling when you drive a long distance. I'm tired after a five-hour drive. And mm -hmm. all I've been doing is sitting in a chair, if you think about it. But focusing on mm -hmm. something, you know. Totally. So as we were talking about what's the best position for me to get into, I had my journal in front of me and I was like, is it okay if I just kind of write in my journal or sit with my journal in front of me? And they were like, okay, so you're going to be looking down. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll look down. So I looked down the entire time. So they didn't draw my eyes. They just drew my face. And I feel like they were so focused on trying to get my bright dimensions not one single one of them got my face well, even this? remotely correct. But I do find it to be interesting when you're talking about perspective and someone looking at you and then them trying to get light and color and the shape of your arms and the way you're sitting in a chair and how your breasts fall and your neck bone and get all of that in a way that shines because I shine, you know? My arms shine, right? Because I'm tan and bright. You know, my shirt shines and my shoulders shine and my hair shines and my eyes shine and my lips shine and everything about me. So they put lights up and they put mirrors up and they put all kinds of things to bounce light off of you. And I've got light bouncing off of me in every direction. One of the guys had said, what I find really interesting about your smile is that you're not smiling but you're also sitting in contentment and you can see it on your face. He said, I was wondering what you were thinking about. Well, there was one moment where the music was just knee slapping good. And I, and and I, I go, had to be still. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, crap, I have to be still with this. And not only that, I'm not kidding you. I had such a moment, a, such an energetic moment that there were literally, I told him this, I was like, there were literally an army of angels dancing, knee slapping, yeehaw. And I had to sit in the corner. Dance. And, and I was like, I don't know around. if I can do this very much longer. I'm going to have to jump up and start dancing, you know, which is like me, yeah. you know, that's me. Like for me to sit still and quiet with all of that massive energy moving around me was so 
amazing, you know, and it got me thinking a lot about the concept of, I, and I mentioned this to you, it's kind of a word that might be far-fetched for a lot of people, but like accessing portals, meaning accessing places where we have the opportunity to grow exponentially or shift or change with the greatest of ease, but we often aren't willing to like sit into them or like lean into them or, or sit still or quiet long enough to actually have those experiences. And when I came in that day, I was talking to a few people that work there that I know pretty well. And they were saying, yeah, we, you know, we need to go and sit, but it takes such a long time. And, and every time I think about that, I'm like, oh, I've got so much to do. I don't have three hours to sit. And then someone else, when I had posted about doing it, someone else was like, I did that once. And I said, I would never do it again. Like, I can't like the idea that I would sit still. I can see that point of view. I could see people. Oh, not I imagine do- you, I, I can't, there's no, there's no way you could do that. That's a difficult thing to do. At least you were seated. That'd make it much more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, but I think that we don't sit still and quietly and it's hurting us as a species. What do you mean? Well, we are missing opportunities to excel because we think, especially in the Western culture, that you have to be doing something. To work harder. Keep doing, do more, do more action. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're doing a lot of action that had we been willing to sit still for 10 minutes and listen for aligned action, get up, go do the work. It would take five seconds. We'd be done. But instead we spent five weeks working on a project because we were never willing to sit still long enough to understand what the path of least resistance to the project was because we are trained through history and through where we are in existence and through what we understand, what we're willing to understand about the nature of human beings, that the only way to get things accomplished is through action. That was a big deal for me because I have been actively, quietly accessing opportunities to excel at great speeds, to ascend at great speeds. Mm -hmm to move through a project in a different type of understanding of what the time-space continuum is about, meaning that I'm going to sit here quietly for a minute and know that I have access to all the answers that could ever exist and have ever existed up to this point. And there's going to be a solution out there that's going to make it a lot easier on me. And I 100% believe it and have seen it in an entire lifetime of Every time that I sat quietly for a minute and listened to my intuition or listened to my higher power, sometimes an actual voice that speaks to me (laughs) that says, try this instead. And then I go try that. And then the project itself is literally done. A a solution was presented. Presented. Here it is. You already know the answer to this. Someone on the planet has already come up with a solution for this. It's way easier than the amount of labor that you're putting into it. So last night we're getting ready for bed. And I said, I should draw you too. And you said, okay. And you laid on the bed and they pose much like Rose from Titanic. May I? Is that okay to say? I have no idea what Rose from Titanic did. (laughs) People do. So I had to run over to our little art station and find a good piece of paper and some art pencils. Yeah, you have a lot of talents. Thank you. You should use more of them regularly. 
It's summertime. Do you want to create some more soup? Soup, soup. I love building a soup. Yes, I know you love building a soup, and I like eating soup. I don't care whether it's 800 degrees outside. I still want some good vegetable soup. Especially when there it's- is this much variety of vegetables coming into our home. We're at the time of the year when you get the kitchen sink in your soups, in your vegetable fried rice, whatever you're cooking, it doesn't matter. Put all the vegetables in it. I found a <laughs> recipe called summer chicken vegetable soup. You know what was in it? I'll go first. Onions. Corn. Celery. Green beans. Peppers. Broccoli. Squash. Swiss chard. I know. Beet beet greens. I know we're forgetting things. Beet greens. Every single recipe that had summer vegetables and chicken soup together called for me going to the grocery store to get a can of like white beans, kidney beans. Yes. Very, very common in these soups. Yeah. I said, baby, I got to go to the store to buy a can of beans. You're like, no, that's stupid. We've got all of this here. We're going to be fine. Yeah. It was so good. Building a soup. You're mm-hmm. going to start with that oil on the bottom. You're going to throw in the onions, the celery, the peppers. Let those get soft. Carrots. It had carrots in it. Thank you. <laughs> then you're going to Potatoes? Throw... Did you put potato in it? Yeah, I did. Then you're going to throw all of the vegetables in. Let them cook in with the onions and the... All the things. For a little while, then put your broth in and <laughs> set it and forget it. No, you're cooking it so that the hardest vegetable that you put in, carrots probably in this case, mm-hmm. were were in there the longest. Then I call you in to help me spice the thing up. I think that this one had a big dill component to it. But otherwise, we were just throwing in all of the herbs that we had available. And I, I don't yeah. see how you screw this up. I don't see how anyone couldn't do this because there w- there's no real magic to it Mm-mm. except for the technique of the order that you add the ingredients. Well, I will tell you the first night that you made it, I said it definitely doesn't have enough salt in it. Mm-hmm. I added a lot of salt okay. to a bowl. And so then... Number one, you like salt more than me. Number two, you're outside in this temperature a lot more than me. I think your body's telling it, you that it needs a little more salt. Uh, that's highly likely. Um, sweating it all out. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And I can tell that like I'm super drained. And you're oh, right. Lately, yeah, lately, you've been just plopping on the couch at night. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, so... my darling. Soup is on the way. Right. That's exactly what I think. I I come in. Listen, our house is one of those interesting places where the man comes home. He cooks the dinner. He does the laundry. He does the grocery shopping. He washes all the dishes. And the woman comes home and just plops her fat ass on the couch and drinks a beer. Is that what you thought I was saying? No. First of all, you don't drink beer. No, I don't. Secondly, your ass isn't fat. Which I Thirdly, will be, which I, I will be drawing my ass on the couch. Which I will be drawing in this new series that we've started in the evenings, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Your skinny ass. My ass is perfect. It's not skinny. It's a magazine <laughs> ass. I've heard that before. What did I tell you the very <laughs> first time I got a good look at it? <laughs> but you have been sun drained recently. That's true. My body is transitioning into the heat of the summer while I still work outside and lose my salts probably i enjoy cooking our dinners when i made it the second night i'm glad that you do because i feel like that's your department in our household (laughs) and i i have been asking you to come help me collect vegetables for dishes lately because i find that helpful Mm -hmm. lately you've been saying hey we really need to do this Mm -hmm. so it doesn't get wasted Mm -hmm. and we've altered our plans because of that that's a nice little addition to our system Mm mm-hmm 
Well, what I ended up doing the second night when Lily and I were home, just the two of us, was I just put a lot of water. Because one of the things I've noticed with your soups when it comes to the second or third day is it just doesn't have enough broth in it. So I've got I all these I think it doesn't beautiful... have enough broth in it at the beginning. Right. I'd That's, rather put yeah. more broth in because I don't like the idea of you having to alter the soup the next day with water. Well, I don't just alter it with water. I added a shitload of my poultry seasoning. Oh, okay. Which is basically bouillon because mm-hmm. I've made it with broth. I, right. Salt I, and broth in it. In the second day, you, you do such a good job at like not overcooking vegetables that by the second day of cooking this soup... You can still cook the vegetables some more. And the okay. thing is, Good. is that, Good. I'd like to hear that when I talk about salt, and you're right, like other people are probably eat things that I eat and be like, holy shit, how much salt does this woman need? But you're right. I sweat a lot, a lot. So your body's always moist. I'm <laughs> exactly. My body's always moist. That was a really good recall. Good Thank job. That's one of my many jobs. <laughs> Total here. recall. I cook. <laughs> I cater to your fat plopped ass. No, he does all the time. And I come up with recalls. He serves me all and he never feels like it's an obligation or suggests I take him for granted. He never suggests that. Well, you never take me for granted, so why would I ever make that suggestion? I never take you for granted. That is the truth. I feel like we're working something out here right now, and I'm sure the (laughs) listeners probably think we are too. Maybe. Doubt it. I know us pretty well. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, so beautiful soup with all of this deliciousness and all these fresh veggies. But yeah, you know what? I forget about that. In the summertime, I'm like craving salt like crazy. I mean, right. pickles I think we all made the a time, joke here, probably, salty chips. I mean, probably you know. Probably about a year ago, we'll install yeah. a deer lick onto the fence <laughs> right. and you can just go out there and. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah, totally. And now it's time for Table Topics. Why did you do it this time? Because I heard you say in a conversation. At the dinner table. Yeah, because your mom said, your mom did it. See, that's the thing is that it it (laughs) makes no sense for you to abandon doing that because clearly (laughs) listeners have come to expect it. My super fan. And not only that, (laughs) you've now got a little thing, but I'll, I'll take it over. I'd be glad to. Maybe I'll go lower. Table topics. <laughs> Ask me a question. Okay, this could be interesting. What do you think is the hardest part of being a kid and about being a parent? So from the perspective of a kid and from the perspective of the parent, what do you think is the hardest part? We went out for pizza the other night. Mm-hmm. The occasion was that my daughter's leaving annually. She goes to her mom in Florida for basically the entire summer. Mm-hmm. I texted her mom. I walked through the house naked today. I'm just saying. How was it? I love it. I oh, love it. I wish it. I had my sketch pad. <laughs> I was like, yes, there's nobody here. It has literally been 18 months since there hasn't been somebody full grown enough to not see their mother walking through the house naked. <laughs> I, text, I texted her mom. I said, I hope you have a fantastic summer together. She was excited to go. You are absolutely right. I, but I texted her mom and I said, I'm jealous. When she came home from summer away two years ago, she had grown three inches. Mm-hmm. I told her mom, I'm jealous because I believe that the next three months, mm-hmm. just hanging out with my daughter, being with her in the car every day to and from school, talking to her. You gave me a great suggestion a couple months ago. You need to start listening more, talking less. You give me that suggestion everywhere we go. I always appreciate it. It doesn't work with me, but But whatever. we're so <laughs> tight 
and I'm watching her right now, 15 mm-hmm. and a half. Mm-hmm. I believe that I will see her come back three months from now, a much different person. What will you do if she comes back and suggests then that she went continue away. to live in Florida and start living in Florida full time? Because <sighs> I, I wouldn't at all put it past her at this point. I wouldn't like it because that's a change that no parent would want to have to go through. I'm going to give you a pat, lame answer that is 100% the truth. I only want what's best for her. And if that transformative time that she's in right now leads her to believe that that's the case, I would completely trust her. Yeah. I would 100% hate it. Right. But that just means I'm going to Tampa more often. Right. She's coming. You know, that kind of thing. You saying that I think is an important part because when we started talking about this on the podcast, for that matter, that she's going to be here with us, she's going to be here with us full time. And then after she lives, finishes eighth grade, then we'll make a decision as she enters high school. The entering of high school wasn't the moment for her. But this year, there's a moment right now. Now, I think she's at that point that we expected her to get to at some point where she's like, yeah, I'm ready to go on some adventures. I'm ready to go see some different things. I want something different. And she's beginning to understand that there's some opportunity there that's different than here. So bringing it back to the answer to the question. When children are in that transformative time, and they are from the moment they're born, and and they are into adulthood, you and I are transforming all of the time. But in that critical, high-action transformation of adolescence, the hardest part for a kid is not understanding what they're going through, or not being able to verbalize what they're going through, or... Yeah, that's it. Not fully understanding what they're going through and all of those feelings that are inside and you don't yet have the emotional maturity to to, to speak them sometimes. The hardest part for a parent, I think, is not giving kids that space to fully grow and be themselves. So accidentally, that anecdote is probably my best answer. What do you think? What's the hardest part of being a kid and being a parent? I think the hardest part about being a kid is being able to communicate to adults that think they're so mature, so much more mature than you are. Know it all. When you actually do know things, you certainly know things about yourself. You certainly know things your parents don't know. Yeah. You certainly know things your parents don't know. And I think the hardest part about being an adult is... You're supposed to pretend like you know everything when you don't know anything. That's good. Well said. It's one of my favorite things now where I am in this space and time that I'm at. When I hear an adult say, I'm more mature than you are, child. And I go, no, you're not. You just had more trips around the sun. You've just been here longer. You Mm -hmm. are not more mature. I promise. Because my theory about everything is, is that you have children raising children, raising children, raising children. And the reason we all act like, I I have actually recently said, Facebook groups are like watching adults play on the kindergarten playground. Right, right. God, y'all are so f***ing annoying. Right, and the complaints (laughs) within those groups are exactly the ones that someone would go tell the teacher about. In fact, there there are teachers for you to go tell things Over there in that corner over there, that boy is punching that other kid. And everybody's like kind of looking, but trying to look away because they don't want to get caught looking. And there's one mature one that goes and breaks up the fight because the two people fighting don't have the maturity to prevent themselves from acting like idiots. And then they have to ask permission. Do I have permission to do blah, blah, blah? I'm like, dude, if I have to ask you permission, I ain't here. This ain't working for me. 
You know, it is, it's so funny because we are the admins of quite a few Facebook groups. We've been doing admins of Facebook groups for years and years and years. And I look back at it now and I'm like, I am not a fucking kindergarten teacher. I have no desire to be the admin of most Facebook groups anymore unless I'm like hardcore in control of it because you guys act like children. And so for me, I look at it in a completely different way in that the kids are way fucking smarter than we are. <laughs> and any parent that's willing to say that and admit it out loud, their kid has so much opportunity ahead of them. The hardest part about being a kid Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Say, I walked through the house naked again. I walked through the house naked again. Now, don't say the word again. (laughs) Well, I did it again.